0: So we are, I think, week six of nine in Deuteronomy. Uh, We're doing Deuteronomy in nine weeks, and uh, some really great teaching, and great teaching all the way through Scripture, but you know, when you go through a book, and although we're not going through it uh, chapter by chapter, but when you go through a book, it really throws up great challenges. Today we come to the end of a section from chapters 12 to 26 is where Moses Uh, unpacks uh, the law to the people. And this chapter really flows into the last three. One, which Ken will do, and two, which I will uh, share. And so he's coming to the end of this whole section uh, before going into another. Uh, Just so you know, before I I go on and just set the scene, after this series, we've got a a couple of guest preachers. Um, Edda, who is the lead pastor at Leith Baptist, is going to come and, and join us. I think it's in March, and also Joe McElwain, who was one of my youth leaders uh, at Stirling Baptist, and she became one of the pastors there. But now works for a charity. Joe's going to come and share God's word as well during that period. So just some time after Easter, I'm going to start out nine weeks uh, looking at themes of revival. Um, I'd been and I have been reading, and it may happen soon. But I was teasing a few of the leaders and friends. Uh, that I'm going to do a short series looking at the the hell, yeah, hell, and uh, quite a few people were excited by that, and my wife says, no chance, (laughs) Um, so we're actually going to do nine weeks looking at revival, uh, looking at humility, looking at Christ-centered preaching, and all sorts of great things to do with revival, uh, and that will be after Easter, but just now, week six in Deuteronomy, and here is the scene for those who are unfamiliar with Deuteronomy, and I'll do it as quickly as I can. Moses is in the last week of his life. He is not allowed into the promised land, and there's reasons for that. He has brought God's people out of Egypt where the Lord heard their cries and took uh, pity on them, and he he was the, the one that took them through the Red Sea, the Reed Sea, and uh, he was the, the one who brought them on the brink of stepping in, something like 11 days uh, I think it was nine or 11 days walk to go into the promised land. Uh, And yet, because of that whole generation's unfaithfulness, the Lord says that generation, bar um, Caleb and Joshua and the family members, that whole generation, that unfaithful generation, will perish in the desert. And so, 40 years have come and 40 years have gone that generation has died away and now Moses is faced with a, a youthful generation, the young pups whose parents, grandparents, etc., and they may have been small children at the time, were there when the Lord made the covenant with, uh, with them and they with the Lord. And now Moses is saying, this is what you have promised. This is what God has promised to you. And, and, and so he's unpacking those promises, he's unpacking those commitments to this new generation before they step in to the Lord's rest, is what it it's this, sometimes called, which is into the promised land and to scatter uh, into the promised land. So that is where we're at, and Moses over a week had a series of sermons where he just unpacked us, and that's what we have in the book of, of Deuteronomy. And now, I'd ask you to turn to chapter 26 of Deuteronomy. (coughs) Excuse me. I think I've got three slides. Andrew, can you put up just even the white one? Yeah. Okay, that's great. (coughs) So, in Deuteronomy... We're going to explore this, a celebration and a confirmation of the covenant. The celebration is this God has done great things. He has done great things. He's so good to me. That's the celebration. And uh, that's the first thing. The confirmation of the covenant is this go and give testimony of how you got here, who you are, how you got here, and what God has, has done, and all of that. You know what? A covenant is an agreement. It's it's a deal. Think of it like this. <coughs> when you go in to buy a car on higher purchase, like most of us do, and uh, you you make the deal, whether it's with the higher purchase company, the bank, whoever it may be, but you sign and there's there's an agreement of uh, what you'll do, how long it's going to be, the payment structure, all of that type of thing. And that's the that's what a deal is, and, and that's what it's like when you go and do higher purchase in a car. <clears throat> the celebration of that covenant with your higher purchase uh, provider is when you drive the car out of the, the showroom, or when you're given a set of keys, and it is yours. It might not be officially yours for four years, but there's still a celebration when you drive it away. It's yours, and the deal really is confirmed when your, higher, your, your direct debits start coming out of the bank, because then it becomes real. There is, there is great celebration of this beautiful, new-smelling car, but the reality is you get X amount of money coming out of your bank every single month for the direct debit. So that's the notion be- behind Deuteronomy 26. Uh, the Lord is scattering them into the land. What should they do when they go into the land? We've looked at a few of those things over the weeks. And and in this chapter, the Lord says, you need to bring the first fruits of of that covenant of your harvest of the plentiful land flowing with milk and honey. So that is the confirmation. And then by doing it, rejoice when you do it. So in my NIV Bible, I think the the church Bibles are NIV, it says, first fruit and tithes. But in other books, the heading is, other translation, worship. Um, so that's what we're going to look at today in Israel. And there is still today there is three feasts in Israel. The first one in spring is Pentecost. The second one in summer is um, no, sorry, is Passover in spring is Pentecost in summer, and then is Tabernacles. In the autumn, and some of you may have seen the Tabernacles festival where they will take branches and trees and they will sleep outside for a certain amount of time as was commanded in the law of Moses. The significant thing behind these festivals eh, was celebration. You remember, they'd scattered all over eh, the land where their tribe was allotted, apart from the Levites who had no land. Um, And they were to come together at specific times in a central place to worship, commanded to do that. Um, You know, so don't get out of the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Something important about coming uh, together. And in that, when they come together, there was dancing, there was celebration, there was food. It was a real family thing, and it was a thing for community. And in this Um, festival of uh, Passover, the idea of bringing the first fruits, uh, uh, that's the idea that's part of uh, this uh, Passover. When you bring from your land that the Lord has given you a sacrifice of praise, hence the word sacrifice, we come and we give. So with that I'd like to read verse by verse or or a few verses together, and I'll start chapter one eh, verse one of chapter twenty-six. When you have entered the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land that the Lord your God has given you, and put them in a basket. Then go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land that the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. I'm just going to put all of this up here so there's no surprises. My doofers are not working, Andrew. Can you change it to the next slide? That's great. So take some of the first fruits, very important, a command of the Lord to his people. As you've settled, as you've prospered, as life has been good, bring the very first back to the Lord. So here is the point I want to get right away at the beginning. In terms of even what we have done this morning, we have come as worshipers you are not an audience. Douglas and the band were not performing to you. Worship, I don't like that song. Uh, I prefer that style. Uh, that, that's a wrong place to think of worship. We come, whether it be gathering together or our first fruits, as um, before we are a consumer, we are a consecrator. We are a worshiper. Because we don't delve into the bounty first. We don't wolf it down. The first thing we do, we come and we bring a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. Bring the first fruits. Not the leftovers. You know, the, the, the feast where Jesus fed 5,000 at the end. There was the leftovers as a testimony to what had just happened. And it was it was a great feast. no bring the very first fruits, bring the best, put it in a basket. And did you see that? Make a testimony. Say to the priest in office at the time, I declare to the Lord your God that I have come to the land that the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. So in worship, and even in how we give back to the Lord It's part of our redemption story. I do this because this is who I am. I'm in community because of what the Lord has done. I'm enjoying the bounty of the land because of what the Lord has uh, covenanted with me to do. And before I consume it, before I enjoy it, before I spend it on myself, I consecrate it. I worship the Lord with the first. Jesus be the center. Jesus, all for Jesus. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Renew a right spirit within me. That's the idea behind first fruits. We are not consumers. We are consecrators. We are worshipers who bring the very, very, very first portion to the Lord. We gather to meet at 10 o'clock in a Sunday morning in a wee room just there to prepare ourselves to worship. Because we don't want to bring a dross. That's good in a way to lay at the cross, but then we want to give her the best to the Lord. Verse 4. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. So it's this idea of the Aramean. Well, and you may have a New King James version, which will say uh, Syrian, maybe, if, if, if I remember right. Any of your translations say Syrian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What translation are you reading? King James, King James Syrian. So that's th- they are telling a story of grandfather uh, Jacob. You know who Jacob was? He stole the birthright from his brother Esau for a bowl of stew. He was a wanderer. Esau was irate at what Jacob had had done in receiving the blessing of the first son from his father, Isaac. And so, he he went northeast. Northeast from Canaan up into Syria or Aramea. And he went to a place in Genesis 29 called Padam Aram. Padam Aram. You can read about it in Genesis 29. There he found himself two wives, not just one, two wives. And and eventually he came back down from Padam Aram in Syria, eh, eh, Aramean, down to Canaan again, eh, back to the land. But there was a famine. And so his family, 70 in all, went down to Egypt. Why? Because one of his 12 sons, he had 12 sons, Jacob, and one of his 12 sons was Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery and eventually became prime minister of Egypt. And Egypt was a land of plenty, and there was a famine in Canaan. And so Jacob and his 11 brothers were accepted by, his, by, by Joseph, and they settled there, 70 in all. But then after 400 years, they numbered in the millions. So that is what is behind that testimony that is there in in verses 4 to to 5. And we know the story now. Moses takes them out and they're on the verge of the promised land. And that is where we are today. Verses 6 and onwards. But the Egyptians ill-treated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and sought our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. What's that mean, that phrase, a land flowing with milk and honey? It trips off the tongue, we know of that. Well, there's, there's two ways of looking at it. There's a figurative way and a, an agricultural way. Figuratively, it's like an expre- a cultural expression to say God is good. A land flowing with milk and honey. Do you know God has been good to us, hasn't He? Look at our lives. And so that's the, the figurative way of saying God is merciful, God is gracious. But the agricultural way refers... To the land. It refers to the place of, of where they are. The bounty of the harvest. If any of you have been to Israel, the, and I went in the springtime, the, there is areas that are just barren. But then when you come in eh, to certain parts, and you look, as you can even see a golf. I remember going buy an 18-hole golf course. And if memory serves me right, and I could be wrong here, I'm wrong. I was going to say it was the only golf course, but I'm thinking another place. But there was this golf course in the middle of a desert, and it was just incredible. So, uh, figuratively, a milk flowing with uh, a land flowing with milk and honey. God is good. God is gracious. But also boots and ground. Look what God has done. Look what God has given us. We have produced a lot. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, a place with there's bounty and abundance. Jesus himself says that to us in John 10 verse 10. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's direct from the words of Jesus to us. I've come to give them life and life and abundance. Life in its fullness for those who pick up the cross and follow Jesus. Now, life is hard. I, I shared some of my difficulties in prayer this morning. Some of, I, we celebrate that Roy has got, can I, can I share that That your job? Roy is now gonna be working in the, the tourist office, but that's been a long time that Roy has, has been out of work. He's got the cleanest house in Locker he told me. <laughs> We have difficulties. Life, an abundant life, doesn't mean we lie in a bed of roses. The Lord keeps us in the land, keeps us in the world to be salt and light. Some of us have got tragic things that we are living through. Last week, Miranda showed the clip of Suffer Strong in in that book that I bought her and the, the ministry that she's exploring. But even in that, it's life in all of its fullness. Jesus has promised us. So my question has to be, and only you can answer it, and I don't mean it to just be a a throwaway glib question that takes a lot of thought, is is your life flowing with milk and honey? Is your life abundance? Yes, God is good to me. (laughs) Oh, see, it's... uh, it's a serious question and, and some of us would be honest enough to say, I, I, I don't feel that. Some of us testify to that, but others don't see it. You are the salt of the earth to bring flavor to wherever you are. As Christ has brought flavor to to your life by His Spirit. A land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 10. And now, after all of that testimony, all of that worship, and now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down (coughs) before him. Lord, I bring the first fruits of the soil that you have given me. What is that bar a testimony? What we have does not belong to us. For those of us who follow Christ, what we have does not belong to us. If I was to, to ask someone to give their testimony, just say, Elaine, Scott, I Tell me your testimony now. Elaine might say, oh, I don't like speaking in public. Um, Elaine may say, it's okay for you. You're an eccentric sort of person. <laughs> Elaine might just say, give me the mic. <laughs> no matter who we are, what character traits we have, whether we're extrovert or introvert, I believe that we should be able to tell a redemption story at the drop of a hat. I know it's scary. Depending on what circle we're in, it could be really scary. But we should be able to say in our own way, this is what God has done for me. So that's the testimony that is first brought out here. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before Him. And that is worship. As you bring your first fruit, not as a consumer, but as a consecrator. Speak of the Lord's goodness and worship. That is what Moses is commanding this generation who are about to go and take possession of the bountiful land. Don't forget you must do that, especially three times a year. So your worship, your testimony is this, this is who I am. This is where I have come from, And this is what God has done. And your worship is this. There is none like you. Merciful, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. There is none like you. That is worship. So tell me your story. (laughs) Verse 11, let's keep going on. And you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and to your household. Because when you come to bring worship, it's meant to be a joyful thing. Rejoice. What was that? And you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in your worship. There is no caveat in there about, but you know, when you're really struggling, here's your get out of jail card. Or you know, when you can't see the wood for the trees, it's okay. God is merciful and gracious. You don't need to bring your worship and your first fruit. There is nothing like that. Whether you are in the, the highways, the byways, the peaks or the troughs, Bring your redemption story wherever you are in your worship as the first thing of the, of the first importance. You shall rejoice. Is there life in you? Or is there just an emotional roller coaster depending on your circumstances? I confess that part of my. Um, I believe part of the challenge that the Lord has given to me is to let go, to let go, to let go. But I confess that still too often my emotions among my family members are too high and too low to the point that they don't know whether I'm going to be in a good mood or a bad mood. But I still have to come and bring a redemption story, and that's part of my story just now, and worship trusting that the Lord is for me and not against you. What is your story? Where is your joy? Where is your struggle in the Lord? Verse 12, and when you have finished setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that you may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all you commanded. I have not turned aside from your command, nor have I forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. That was that pagan practice. I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done what I have done everything you commanded me. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people, Israel, and the land you have given us as you promised an oath to our forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Three times in Deuteronomy, Moses brings up this idea of a tithe. And I'm going to do this in about two or three minutes, and then we're going to come to the Lord's table. He brings up this thing about giving of a tenth. And I want to say, tithing is one of the healthiest things we can do as a believer. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit. First of all, when we give to the Lord, demonstrates our dependence on Him. It reveals this deeper truth. It's not about what we own, but who owns us. When we give sacrificially of the Lord, and I'll just stick with that tenth just now, of our produce, our first of our produce. We are demonstrating to the Lord our deep dependence on him, that what we have does not belong to us, but belongs to him, and we have been bought at a great price. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith through the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, And as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And when it comes to our money, how can you say that Jesus is your first love when he's last in your budgeting? And I'm not putting this out here because we've got a great big fabric project we're just about to do. That's not my intention at all. This is much a challenge to me also. You may say tithing is an Old Testament principle. In the New Testament, the idea is you give freely what you purpose in your heart. And you can read about that in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, 6 to 9. I've not got time just now, but it speaks about giving from the overflow of your heart—heart heart that's overflowing milk and honey. Give what you would desire to give to the Lord, and, and that is great. But in the Old Testament, there is not talk of just one tithe a year, but there's three tithes a year. So if the Old Testament tithe principle, you know, that's just Old Testament, and we have to give frail from the abundance of heart, and we actually may give 20% of, 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 our, uh, of our produce. In the Old Testament, you get three tithes. There's a the produce of the land given to the Levites to support the ministry, there was a festival tithes brought to the place of worship that was eaten together with family and friends and everyone was there, but it was a tithe that you brought. And then there was a tithe mentioned here for the poor, for the alien, for the Levites. I don't know if it's for Levites, for the poor, for the fatherless, for the alien. So do not look in your worship at your money, at your budget, at your resources, and think, what must I give as a burden freely give from the outflow of your heart, from the purpose in your heart. And when you give and when I give, it should be as an expression of belief, not of burden. I believe this is a Lord and I give. I dare not hold back. I give because He abundantly gives to me. I give sacrificially to the Lord's work. God owns it. Jesus is the first love in my heart. So I will make him the first fruit of my budgeting. And furthermore, and I'm going to end on this, and we're going to come back to this. This flows into the next week. And I'm going to read this verse from Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. We're commanded in Scripture, don't test the Lord, don't put the Lord, eh, 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 don't test them in things. But And actually... Is one occasion where God says, yes, do test me. And he says this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. <laughs> Goosebumps. I must keep back for myself. I can only give that wee, but I need to budget. I need to think of that, that. That God says, bring the whole tithe into my storehouse. Test me, and you will see that I give abundantly in your need, because He knows the very hairs on your head. And I don't believe we can outgive God. I'm going to stop there. I know it's. It's all about that covenant, and there's the confirmation of that covenant, and there's a celebration of that covenant. We're going to get into the conclusion of that covenant in the weeks to come. So it's a kind of a, 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 a an axis, if that's the right word, a sermon. But we come to, to the Lord's table, and Ken and, and Jenny are going to help me there. We come in as an act of worship. We come not because we have the right to come. We come because we are weak and we are poor. I am prone to wander. I am prone to leave the God I love. Come and meet the risen Christ. Bring all of your struggles through that sermon to Him. Or bring all of your worship. Bring all of your testimony in the silence. And we come to remember the cost of our salvation.